Good evening, Freedom. So glad to see each and every one of you here. I want to get, uh, uh, just move real quickly. I'm going to give you a couple of announcements. I'm going to go right into the word on tonight. First of all, if, have you been receiving your flossome affirmation every morning? Amen. I hope it's been blessing your life. If not, you can always text, uh, come on, let's go, uh, Flossom to 555-888. You can text Flossom to 555-888 so that you can receive your Flossom uh, morning affirmation. Amen. Uh, don't forget Super Sunday. Everybody say Super Sunday. It's March 31st, one service only, 10 a.m. Make sure you're here. It's going to be an amazing experience. You want to make sure that you are here for Super Sunday and bring somebody with you. Uh, Sunday's message, as I'm continuing the series on uh, Flossom, Sunday I am preaching, I hope you fail. Amen. Yeah, you don't want to miss that one. Amen. Some of y'all are going to speak that over my life. Okay, all right. Um, just want to say this, please keep in uh, your prayers, Erica, we want to keep her mom in, her, in our prayers, and also Carmen, we want to keep her mom in our prayers as well. Um, some, of, some of our members have extended family that are going through some th tough times, we want to make sure that we keep our family in prayer. Amen? Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, pray for me too, pray for me too, amen. Amen. All right. I want to go into this series on today, Flossom. And um, today I am teaching from this subject, breaking up with a bad friend called insecurity. Breaking up with a bad friend called insecurity. Um, insecurity. I want to give you this definition for insecurity. Insecurity is my awareness of the gap between who I am and who I want to be. My awareness of the gap between who I am and who I want to be. Now, I want to have real talk on tonight because I think a lot of times when we talk about this subject of insecurity, um, a lot of people don't want to be real and tell the truth about where they are and how they feel, okay? But I want to have real talk because I'm going to talk from a very personal place. Um, the reality is your pastor battles very deeply with insecurity. I, I have to still battle with this fight of insecurity, and 99% of you do as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, insecurity, never feeling like you're good enough. Um, the reality is I honestly would do more if my insecurities didn't get the best of me and talk me out of the fact that I believe I can do more. Mm -hmm. Anybody with me on that? I mean, you could be insecure about many things, insecure about your looks, insecure about your age, insecure about your weight, insecure about your qualifications, uh, insecure, watch this, if I miss my opportunities and another one would never come back around, insecure if I'm smart enough, if I preach good enough, if I teach good enough, if I pastor good enough, insecure about any, many things. And the reality is, I'm going to go deep before I go light, if we're not careful, we will sabotage ourselves with self-condemning thoughts that drown us like a submarine that is filling up with water. Because you and I have been created and designed like a submarine to wade through the water of insecurity. But it's one thing to be in the water and the water not be in you. And the struggle with insecurity is when the water gets in you. You start to drown in your own thoughts of helplessness and hopelessness. Because insecurity is a profound sense of self-doubt, a deep feeling of uncertainty about our basic worth and our place in the world. Watch this. Insecurity will make you question, am I even worthy? 
Am I worthy to have this job? Am I worthy of this relationship? Am I worthy to live better than my mistakes will allow? I found this quote. This thing messed me up. Watch this. Let's go to it. Lynn Twist says this. Before we even sit up in the bed, before our feet touch the floor, we already feel inadequate, already behind, already losing, already lacking something that makes us feel insecure. Now, maybe that didn't mean anything to you, or maybe you don't want to be honest enough in this moment, but the reality is, how many can say, uh -huh, I felt like that a many a days before I got up out the bed? Many of us wake up with a deep sense that we are already behind in life, inadequate to change our life, and lacking what we need to feel secure about our lives. This is why we would prefer, hear this, to lay in the bed all day instead of going after more because underneath the facade of what we wear on the outside, on the inside, we don't feel worthy of the image that we have in our head of what we could be. Is that too deep for y'all? This Bible study, let's go deeper to this. There's an image that all us got of ourselves that we don't match up to. And a lot of times, because we wake up already defeated, we never go after. In other words, we'll sit at home and watch Netflix all day instead of putting some effort behind becoming who God wants us to be. Because we are already defeated by the time we fling our eyes open. Can I tell you something? This is why the pastor has to work so hard to preach to you on Sunday. Because I have to convince you that you are worthy enough for what God has spoken over your life because you already walk in with so many self-doubts that you don't believe that anything good is going to happen. That's why when I tell you to touch your neighbor and tell them that it's going to be all right, you, yeah, it's going to be all right. Because you don't believe it yourself. Because you have already set your mind to defeat before you even try. And when you don't feel worthy, listen to this, then you don't have the courage, the compassion, and the connection needed to say no matter what happens today with God, I'm enough to handle it. I knew I was going to lose you on that. No matter what goes wrong today with God, I'm enough to handle it. No matter how far I'm from my goal with God, I'm enough to handle it. See, I'm speaking Chinese to some of y'all because you have never looked at your life in that, that sphere. You have always seen your life from the behind, the less than, that you ain't got it. But I'm here to let you know that if you got God in your life, God has given you everything that you need to be enough to handle what he's placed in your spirit. How dare you serve a God that can do limitless things and you put him in a little box as if he can't do nothing with your life. I serve a God, I don't know about you, that can do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask or think. So why should I limit him? Because I don't feel very secure within myself. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you might not think you're much, but God can do a whole lot with you. Mm -hmm. He could do a whole lot with you if you would just open your mind to realize that the sky is the limit to what you can have and what you can do and where you can go. I feel my help coming all by myself. You ain't got to join me. I'm going to preach to myself because oftentimes we sit back and we think that we are not worthy enough, but the reality is it's God that makes you worthy of it. You ain't worthy by yourself. It's God that makes you worthy. 
I didn't put this scripture on your page, but it's on the screen. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse number 11 through 12, the Bible says, so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life that is worthy of his call. Watch this, that we pray for you, that God enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish, listen to this, all the good things your faith prompts you to do. In other words, watch this, you are worthy right now. Okay, you are worthy right now. You are worthy of the dreams and the goals and the visions that God has put down on the inside of you. I'm talking to dry bones. You are worthy right now that in spite of what it looks like and in spite of how your life is set up and in spite of how the things are coming together, you are still worthy right now. Not if I get the promotion, I'll be worthy. Not when I make more money, I'll be worthy. Not when I'm, I get, the, get love in my life, I'll be worthy right at this very minute with all your issues with all your hangups with all the stuff going on in your life you are worthy for what God has for you why because when you are in Jesus worthiness doesn't have a requirement if any man be in Christ he is a new creation you still ain't with me I said if any man be in Christ not if the special man or the man that got all the gifts and the man that got all the talent and the person that got the, all together no the Bible says if any man be in Christ Look at your neighbor say, that mean you, that mean you, that mean you. You are worthy right now. So why shouldn't I dream bigger? And why shouldn't I expect more? And why shouldn't I believe that the sky's the limit to what I can have? I refuse to be held back by any of the foolishness that I came out of. I refuse for my past to define my future. I refuse to let my mistakes dictate how far I can go in life. That ain't me, honey. I might have made the mistake, but the mistake was was the teacher for me to go to better. Is there anybody in here that say, I'm getting ready to dream bigger and I'm getting ready to dream higher and God got more for me than what's in front of me? See, we struggle. We struggle with this insecurity because insecure people, watch this, hear this, have a chronic um, self-consciousness. What do you mean by that? In other words, you know you. I hope you know you. The problem is, it's not that you know you, you have a chronic sense of self-consciousness. I want to give you a little equation. This is how insecurity works. You have a chronic sense of self-consciousness, you know you. Now add to that a chronic lack of confidence. And then add to that anxiety about your relationships. And now you have an insecure person. Do I need to say that again? I think I do. Okay, you have a, a chronic self-consciousness plus a chronic lack of confidence plus anxiety about your relationships. And now you have an insecure person. Why? Because the insecure person lives in constant fear of rejection and a deep uncertainty about whether his or her own feelings and desires, watch this, are even legitimate. This is why, here we go going to go deep now. This is why we can fight and argue so fiercely and harshly. Because sometimes we are using the argument as a way to validate the legitimacy of our own feelings. So I got to argue with you real good because I'm fighting for the right to feel the way that I feel. And if you don't validate the way that I feel, then something must be wrong with me. 
So I have to keep arguing with you in order for you to see it my way. Y'all don't know nobody like that? Maybe I'm talking about you. Uh, uh, I, 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 see, watch this. Uh, when, 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 when you're not insecure, I don't have to clap back. Because when I'm settled and secure in who I am, I have nothing to prove to you. But the fact that I have to clap back shows that I have to prove something to somebody and I don't feel very secure within myself. God help me. Because when I'm secure, your approval of me is neither required nor desired. God, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. See, the danger of an insecure person in a relationship is that they will harbor unrealistic expectations about love in relationships. Insecure people, not you, maybe your neighbor, not you. Insecure persons create a situation in which being disappointed and hurt in the relationship is almost inevitable. When you're insecure, get ready for disappointment and hurt. Because insecure people think that is normal for disappointment and hurt to be in a relationship. So when they don't call you back in five minutes, your mind first go to they must be cheating. Or if they don't respond the way you expected them to respond, you pick a fight so that they will have to prove to you that they really care about you. Oh, I'm talking to you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Why? Because insecure people create situations for being disappointed and hurt in a relationship. And most times, insecure people are amazingly unaware of how they are accomplices in their own misery. They don't even realize they set the stage for the brokenness that they feel. Mm. It's too deep for y'all tonight. So how, how, do you know you, how do you know you're insecure? Let me, just, let me just give you one way, just one way, one way you're insecure. Listen to this. One way you can detect insecurity in us is by, watch this, our knee-jerk reaction to any level of change in a relationship. Let me say that one more time. I know you're insecure when uh, the, the relationship changed at any level and you have knee-jerk reactions to it. Mm -hmm. Especially if we perceive that the focus has shifted away from us. Okay, so let me give you an example because I lost some of y'all. Um, when I first started pastoring, when people didn't come to church, my mind automatically went, because I wasn't very secure about being a pastor, my mind automatically went to, they must have went to another church. Or my, mind must, or my mind went to, they must be mad at me. Because when you're not secure, then you have to create a reason as to why they're acting the way they're acting. Because you have to have knee-jerk reactions because you're not secure in who you are. Are y'all with me? Okay. So the more easily threatened we are, the more insecure we become. Mm -hmm. And most times, the thing that makes us feel most insecure, watch this, is typically what we're best at. You are not insecure about your fishing uh, uh, abilities if you've never been fishing before. Because how could you be insecure about something you never tried? Most times you're insecure about the things that, you, that you're typically be best at. Watch this. I got a parent under the sound of my voice who's very insecure about being a parent. And people are asking you how you doing it, and deep down you second-guessing yourself all the time. Talk about myself. Preach a message. And you start to feel insecure if they received it. So you're saying they didn't shout. They sat there. So they must have didn't receive it because you're insecure about it. Watch this. 
And here's what I've discovered. The more successful you are, the greater the insecurity grows if it's not dealt with. Why? Because as your success grows, expectations also grow. This is why some of us don't try nothing, because you don't want any expectations, because you know it'll just drive you to be more insecure. <laughs> Statistics say um, the average woman has 13 negative thoughts about her body every day. <laughs> I said the average. <laughs> every day. Same statistics say men don't have any thoughts. Anyway, um, <laughs> because healing insecurity is a daily battle. It is not something that, unfortunately, you come to church and, you know, you have one good high service and you feel good and you walk out and then all of a sudden it's gone. No, don't work like that. It's a daily battle. And I looked in the Bible, and I said, well, wh who, who is insecure in the Bible? I had to find somebody in the Bible. And one of the most insecure people in the Bible was Saul. Saul. Okay, let me, let me break this down so you understand who Saul is. Israel, uh, the people of God, was a different kind of nation amongst other nations because they didn't, they didn't have a human king. All the other nations around them had a human king. They didn't have a human king because their king was God. They were ran by God. God told them what they were supposed to do. And so uh, God was the king. And they got tired of God being their king. So they told God, we want a human king like all the other nations. And God gave them exactly what they wanted. Because sometimes God will give you exactly what you want. You keep praying for it. He'll give it to you. Here's the problem with Saul. Saul looked the part, but he was the wrong man for the job. The Bible says that tall was, uh, Saul was taller than everybody else. He looked kingly. He looked like he had it going on. But underneath all that, watch this, he was packaged real good, but underneath the package was insecurity. Have you met anybody that looked confident? But then you started peeling back the layers, and no matter how much you told them they were pretty, they still don't believe it? And no matter how much you told them they're doing a good job, they still don't believe it? Because you can have a great package and underneath that be very insecure. Watch this. God told them, he said, listen, you don't want this king. I'm telling you, you don't want it. Because God tells them, this king going to break your heart. They said, we don't care. We want, we, want, we, want him. we want a human king. So he called Saul as the first king of Israel. And he was a totally insecure man. And instead of turning his insecurities to God, he did everything wrong. The Bible says, towards the end of his life, that, uh, 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 that God regretted ever making Saul king. And he sent Samuel, the prophet, to anoint David as king, even while Saul was still in the position. Because sometimes you can be anointed and not appointed. And you have to wait till the appointed person is moved out the way so that your anointing can shine through. Stop trying to always buck the system and wait your turn. Oh, God. Okay, so I want to give you, watch this, Saul insecure. I want to give you seven signs of a Saul spirit. Seven signs of a Saul spirit. A, a person who is insecure. And in Saul's case, here's the danger of it. Here's the danger of it. Saul was so insecure and didn't deal with it to the, to the point that it, it turned into something demonic within him. That's heavy, okay? Watch this. So I want to give you seven uh, uh, signs of a Saul spirit. Here's number one unteachable and unapproachable. 
unteachable and unapproachable. When you have a Saul spirit on you, you are unteachable and unapproachable. Everyone who came at Saul, he would reject everything they had to say to him. He didn't want to hear it. Because sometimes, watch this, the fear of being rejected or hurt makes you push people out your life. Am I talking to anybody right there? So you become unteachable and unapproachable. I got to go. Here's number two, jealous and envious. I know we ain't got nobody in here like that. Jealous and envious. Who was that you was talking to? Well, you know what I'm saying. Watch this. How was, how was Saul jealous and envious? When David killed Goliath, what happened? They started what? Singing a song. What was the song? Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. Saul becomes jealous of David. Watch this. Over a song, y'all. A song. Watch this. They are singing the song, but Saul is still the king. Because uh, when you are insecure, jealousy will make you forget who you are. Jealousy will make you forget who you are. You the wife. You got the ring. You don't forgot who you are? Okay. Because insecure people are easily threatened because they forget who they are. No sense of self-worth. And jealousy and envy is triggered, watch this, always by external circumstances. It's always by external circumstances. It's never internal. It's always external. The internal is the insecurity. The external is what triggers it. Okay, let me keep going. Here's the third thing, Saul and Saul, blame transfer. Insecure people, blame transfer. Saul was commanded by God to destroy the Amalekites. And the Bible says, 1 Samuel 15, that he didn't do it. The prophet Samuel tells him, listen, you got to do this. You got to, you know, you got to, God is saying, kill everybody. The Bible says he, ke he keeps the king and all the best that they had. The best sheep, the best lamb. He kept all the best. God didn't say that. He said, kill everything. Watch this. Sam, uh, Samuel, the prophet, comes in and says, you know what? I'm trying to tell you, obedience is what? Better than sacrifice. Y'all know this word. Watch this. And then Saul admits, the king admits to the prophet what he did. And in the same breath, turns around and blames the people. Because insecure people blame the reason they are insecure on other people. I have trust issues because this person did that to me. I don't like people close to me because of what that person did to me. Okay. Um, let's keep going. Number four, control. Insecure, insecure people like to control. Come on. Oh, it's a controlling spirit in freedom. Oh, yes. It's a controlling spirit in freedom. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Top down. It's a controlling spirit in freedom. Anything Saul could not control, watch this, he would try to destroy. Because control always leads to destruction. He could not control the anointing that was on David's life, so what would he do? He would throw spears at him to pin him to the wall and try to kill him. Because I have to control you. So watch this. What does this mean in your life? So I got to control your whereabouts. Where are you going? How long are you going to be there? When are you coming back? What time you left? 
Who are you talking to? Who are you hanging around? I have to control because they are obsessed with things that have not even happened yet. And that's, let me say that one more time because I think you missed what I just said. I have to control because I'm obsessed with things that haven't even happened yet. Ain't that crazy? Stuff that ain't even happened. Keep going. Number five, anger and emotional instability. It's a Saul spirit. It's an insecure spirit. Anger and emotional instability. He would have demonic fits, the Bible says. And he would try to kill David and pin him against the wall. Anger and emotional instability. These blow-ups. Just blowing up on people. Just going off. Because you're insecure. Got to pick a fight. Because I'm insecure. You're going to feel my anger. Emotional instability. I just talked to you 20 minutes ago. How is it that you have completely changed your whole persona? You was happy 20 minutes ago. What's wrong with you? Nothing. 20 minutes ago, you were just talking about your dreams and your goals, and you so excited, and now, silence. Because you're not secure. Okay? Let me keep going. Number six, this is a heavy one. Unbelief and spiritual compromise. I'm going to dig this one out just for a minute, and I'm going to move on because I need to hit this real good. Unbelief. And spiritual compromise. When you are insecure, that's when unbelief and spiritual compromise creeps in for the believer. Okay, so when you get a chance, I want you to read 1 Samuel 28. 1 Samuel 28. Um, let me give you a synopsis, but you need to go read it because this thing messed me up. 1 Samuel 28. Samuel the prophet has died. Saul, still king, and Saul has to fight the Philistine army. The text says that when Saul the king comes out and sees the Philistine army, he becomes, the Bible says, frantic with fear. Then he turns around and says, Lord, now the same Lord you disobeyed, Lord, what should I do? And the text says, 1 Samuel 28, that God refused to answer. Saul says, King Saul says, okay, well, show me in a dream or a vision. Talk to me some kind of way. Prophesy to me, Lord. Say something to me. Let me come to church and let the pastor say something directly to me. And then I know it's you. And he'll let you sit there on that sixth row and not say one word. Watch this. And the Bible says God refused to answer him. Didn't say one word. Watch this. Because God had already re repented for even making him king by this point. Catch this. This thing messed me up. So Saul is in a frantic of what to do. And his prophet, Samuel, is dead. So what does he do? Saul says, y'all go find me, uh, King James says, a witch. Serious. You need to read your Bible. NIV says, uh, uh, um, a medium. Go find me somebody that talked to the dead. Mm -hmm. Go find me somebody that talked to the dead. Because I need to talk to Samuel, the prophet. If God ain't talking to me, well, let me go to the next best thing. 
a dead prophet. Sad part is, that's how many of us are. We talking to dead prophets about our business. Mm, okay, let me keep going. I'm going to come out of that. Um, watch this. So uh, he, he, he goes to this medium and says, you know, read it for yourself. Say, um, I need to talk to somebody uh, that I know that's dead. And so all of a sudden, the text says, Samuel comes through and appears before him. And Samuel says, why have you brought me back from the dead for this foolishness? Read it for yourself. He said, I want to know what God got to say about this, 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 this army that I got to fight. Samuel was like, I ain't got time for all this. I'm dead. Don't you see that God got a problem with you? And you had to bring me back from the dead for you to understand that God got a problem with you? What's my point? What's my point? Watch this. Saul couldn't hear from God, so Saul goes to a witch. Because when you are not secure in God, you will reach for any spiritual guidance no matter where it comes from. So let me bless you real good. Wish more of the church was here. Let me bless you real good so that y'all can hear this real good. This is why Christians do not participate with astrology. Okay, thank you. This is why Christians do not participate with astrology. You need, the, you need the, the lining of the stars in order to figure out your future. Come here. You Pisces spirit, this, this Cancer spirit, you Aries spirit. Come here. Let me talk to you real good. Because God never told you to look at the lining of the stars to figure out what direction you need to take. Astrology is not for the saints. Watch this. Why is astrology not for the saints? If God is a sovereign God, then what do the stars being aligned have to do with what happens in your life? Oh, y'all don't like that. I get it. I understand. Mm-hmm. Because you got to have, you go after any spiritual leading when God ain't talking to you. Maybe God ain't talking because he wants you to sit still for a minute. Maybe he ain't got nothing to say right now because you ain't did the last thing he told you to do. So why would I give you another command when you didn't handle the last thing I told you to do? Huh? Um, read my points back to me. Number one was what? Number two? Number three? Number four? Number five? Number six? Here's number seven. When you are... Uh, um, um, Insecure, you have a fear of man. When you have a fear of you have a fear of man. Saul had a fear of man. When he did not obey God concerning the Amalekites, he said it's because he feared the people. In other words, I care more about what people think. Mm -hmm. Now let's be real. Let's just be real. Let's un unpack this real quick. I know we could say that all day. I don't care what nobody think about me, but on some level you do. Yeah, let's just be real. On some level, you do. Right? But there's a difference from you um, listening or caring about what people think and a uh, difference between what Jesus said, beware when all men speak well of you. Because if your uh, whole motive in life is for people to speak well of you all the time, watch this, then what it means is you have to surrender your values to the people that you're trying to please. Mm -hmm. And 
I want people to like me, but I will not surrender my values in order for people to like me. Do you see the difference now? God is saying, you can't have a fear of man and be secure at the same time. You have to not worry about what they're going to think about you and what they're going to say about you and how they're going to feel about it. Now, here's what I love about y'all saints. Here's what I love. Y'all love to say, I don't care what people think when it has something to do with what you want to do. I don't care what nobody say. That's the problem. Because the prophet done told you something, not the witch. The prophet done told you something, and you still say, I don't care what nobody think. Okay, boo. All right. Okay. So that's all. Let me move on to David. Because David has some insecurity as well. So the first king of Israel was who? Saul. The second king of Israel that came behind him was David. All right, so let's talk about David. Psalms 55, verse number 1 through 8. Look what he says here. Psalms 55, verse number 1 through 8. Come on, let's read it together. Read. Now watch this. He is afraid, David is afraid right here because people are talking about him. And uh, I think it's verse number one that says people are staring at him. They're looking real close at his life. They're seeing what he's doing. So the Bible says he's afraid because of this. You know, because a lot of times we don't like to be unveiled in front of people. We, a lot of times we want to stay hidden. And the Bible says because of the looks and because of their talks, he is not feeling very secure. So I want to show you a way that we handle insecurity. And I think when I saw this, this thing messed me up because this is the way I handle when I'm insecure as well. Look at verse number six one more time. What does verse number six say? I would fly away and be at rest. The first way that we handle or David dealt with his insecurity was escape. I want to escape. When I'm insecure, I want to escape. I want to fly away. I want to get away. I want to escape. Mm -hmm. So we make up all kind of girl trips. We want to escape. We can't, we can't, we can't keep, uh, uh, watch this, we say stuff like, I'm guilty of this as well, I don't do crowds. don't do crowds because I don't feel secure with a lot of people around me so I need to escape that's why we get so evil on our job that we make sure people don't come near us because I, I need to escape mm -hmm. here's, here's number two uh, verse uh, verse number seven what does verse number seven say the desert isolation I want to isolate This is the struggle with church sometimes, because church forces you never to isolate. In church, you're never by yourself. 
It's always somebody. It's always somebody. You got to work on the ministry with somebody. You got to sit on the road with somebody. And when I try to sit way in the back, pastor got to say, move, everybody move up. I don't want to move up. <laughs> Church gets real difficult for the person that's trying to isolate themselves. Because God created you and I for one word, community. He never created you to be on the, on the, on, on the island by yourself. Here's the problem. Do you know isolation is of the enemy? He's coming as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. The lion roars, watch this, so that he can separate the weak one away from the crowd. So isolation is of the enemy. It's his best tactic to get you when you by yourself. Because he knows that if you come in the house of God and you sit on the road with all these other crazy people in, here in freedom, we're going to praise together. You, are, you got a pastor that's going to tell you to touch your neighbor seven times. Going to tell you to grab their hand, shake it real good. Why? Because I'm trying to get you off that island by yourself. Because I know if you're on that island by yourself, the enemy already got you. How do we deal with insecurities? Escape, isolation. Verse number eight. Read verse number eight. Far. Number three, disengage. I want to disengage. Here we go. So let me get off every ministry. Let me disengage from everything and everybody. This is what insecurity does with us. Let me disengage. Let me isolate. Let me escape. When you try to escape, when you try to isolate, when you try to disengage, you ready for this? God told me this. He said, watch this, you can't graduate. I can't take you to the next level by yourself because your gift was never about you. So why would I promote you for you to be a wonder by yourself? Did you know that the call and the gifting on your life wasn't even for you? It ain't about you. It's about somebody else. So why would he promote you for you to be all by yourself? Who going to get the glory? So how should you deal with insecurity? Drop down to verse number 16. Come on, let's read that together. Read. I ask for me. I call to God and the Lord saves me. When I'm feeling insecure, I call to God and the Lord saves me. Here's what I discovered. You ready for this? You don't have to feel secure to be secure. And you don't have to feel confident to be confident. I'll never forget when we first started this church. I had a practice uh, when we first started this church. I got an office now to do this, but before, bef when we first started this church, when we was in the hotel, uh, before service started, I would always go in the bathroom, and I'd be in the stall, and I'd be pacing back and forth in the stall, crying out to God, saying, God, I can't do this. It's going to be seven people sitting there. I can't do this. This is what you call me to? This is it? And I'm crying. I'm literally, I'm talking about tears, crying out to God. God, you know, what are you doing? God, what's happening? I need you. Help, 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 help. And then I come out, this is the day the Lord has made. We've come to rejoice. You know why? Because you don't have to feel confident to be confident. And you don't have to feel secure to be secure. Could it be that we are basing way too much of our confidence and our security on our feelings? Could it be? Come on, anybody ever, oh, okay, um, let's go here. Anybody, you know, back in the day, when you, you know, when you was crazy and you tried to fight people, Um, that most times in a good hood fight, 
it ain't about who the biggest. It was always about who's the most intimidating. And sometimes if you had a good, good talk game, you could talk your way out of some good fights because they'll get so scared because they're like, this person crazy. <laughs> you know I didn't want to say person, but I'm trying to be good. Because sometimes to be confident, you don't have to feel it. And to be secure, you don't have to feel it. And you can't base it on the way that you feel. Look at 1 John 27 verse, I'm sorry, verse, 1 John 2 verse number 27. Read that first part. Read. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. It remains in you. So even if you don't feel it, it's still there. Can I t let, me, let me bless you real good. That is why when y'all sing, it ain't about you feeling it. If you got the anointing, keep singing until the anointing show up. Because it's there. It remains in you. We're not just anointed for spiritual things only. What God has put in you, you got it even when you don't feel it. That's why sometimes you can get up and do what God called you to do and you didn't feel none of it. It is not about your feeling. It is about how God has anointed you. Did that help anybody right there? So here we go. How do I break up with insecurity? How do I break up with insecurity? So glad you asked me. Psalms 91, verse number 1 through 2. Come on, let's read that together. NIV version, read. This messed me up. Did I put the, the King James Version on there? Do I have that? I don't have that on there? Yes, it is. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Come on. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Some things just sound better in King James. How do I break up with insecurity? Three points and I'm done. Number one, write this down. You must start with the power of God. You must start with the power of God. Okay. Now, go back to verse number one and verse number two. I want you to underline this. Whoever dwells in the uh, shelter of the Most High, underline Most High, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty, underline Almighty. I will say of the Lord, underline Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, underline my God, in whom I trust. Now, when you do an uh, uh, etymolo etymological study of the words that are used right here, you see uh, there's a difference. Most high, almighty, Lord, my God. And all those names of God have significance for what he's trying to say. He is not referencing just one aspect of God's character. He's referencing different aspects of God's character. So let's walk this out. Most high right there is Elion. Elion. E-L-Y-O-N. Elion. Most time you hear it, El Elion. Okay? Elion means, listen to this, strongest of the strong. It means a superlative God, a sur surpassing all others. It means supreme, above all other powers and authority. Okay, all right. So now I got to back this up because you need to put this in context. Whoever dwells in the shelter 
of the strongest of the strong. Which means your God ain't no weak God. Which means that he is an all-powerful God. There's no one stronger or greater or mightier than him because he is Elion. Okay, all right. Uh, I need everybody to repeat this. I live under the protection of the Most High God. What's the next word? Almighty. Almighty. What does almighty mean? Shadiah. And the name means all-powerful, omnipotent. This name is a little little different from the first one. Because the first one meant the strongest of the strong. This one means powerful in the sense that he he can do everything he promised. Mm -hmm. That no man or no plan can thwart his way, and his promise. In other words, nobody can come along and shut down what God is going to do. There's no enemy, no feeling, no emotion, no thought that can stop God from doing what he said he's going to do. Okay, all right. So let's back it up, and we got to read it one more time. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the strongest of the strong rests in the shadow of the one that can do everything he promised. So everybody repeat this after me. I dwell in the shadow of an almighty God. What's the next word, Next uh, name? Lord. And Lord means Yahweh or Jehovah. Yahweh or Jehovah. Now, Yahweh is an amazing word. Okay, let me, let me explain Yahweh, because Yahweh is an amazing word, amazing name. Um, what you will discover is Yahweh is what we call it, but Yahweh is not how you say it. You ready for this? In fact, when you research this word, you'll discover that this word actually has no vowels. What do you mean, Pastor? They created the word so that you can even speak it. Because in their mind, God was so holy that you can't even call him by his name. So in the original, there was no A and there was no E. Mm -hmm. You can't even pronounce that. Because the only way you can pronounce it is you got to put some vowels in it. So what does Yahweh mean or Jehovah? You ready? Here's what it means. I am that I am. That's what it means. I am that I am. Can I give you another meaning of that name? Watch this. Here's the other meaning. I will be who I will be. What it's pointing to, people of God, is that the Lord himself is with us. He is assisting us. He is there for us. In fact, when you go over into the New Testament, uh, one of the names for Jesus, anybody know the name God with us? What is that name? 
Emmanuel. It means that God is with us. This Emmanuel is the, is the Greek equivalent to Yahweh, which is the Hebrew name, okay? So what he's saying here is, is that I am a present God. I am right there with you. I'm a present help in the time of trouble. I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. I'll show up in the worst times in your life. I'll be right there when it seems like everybody else leave you. I am that I am. I'll be exactly what you need. Now, I love that I am that I am, but what we have to understand is sometimes we put in the space in the wrong place. Okay, let me go ahead and prove it to you. I am that I am. What is God trying to say? If you move the space over one word, it changes the whole meaning. I am that I am. You missed what I just said. In other words, whatever you need, God is saying, I am that. And in case you forgot, I am. God help me. So whatever I need, he says, I am that and I will be that no matter what it looks like and no matter what storm comes against you. That's a good place to give God praise because sometimes in my life when I'm feeling like I'm all by myself and I don't have the strength to make it, God is proving to us that he says, I'll be your present help. I'll be your helper. I'll be your butler. I'll be your backup. I'll be right there by your side. If everybody else walk off, I'll still be right there. I am that I am. Uh, so let's put it all together. Let's put it all together. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the strongest of the strong will rest in the shadow of the all-powerful the, 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 the one that can do everything he promised. It, it, I will say to the I am that I am. Watch this. In other words, I need you to repeat these words after me. The Lord is my refuge and my fortress. All right? So we got one left. And that is God. And that word right there is Elohim. 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 Elohim is, uh, it means the maker of the universe and the supreme creator of all life. See, this is showing you all the characteristics of who God is. That's why you have all these different names. It is to express who God is. The maker of the universe and the supreme creator of all life. It emphasizes God's power and strength, which is evident in creating from nothing to the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. He says, I control everything because I made everything. There is nothing outside of my control. So what boss you got that God can't deal with? What person in your life that God can't put his hand on it? He said, I made it so I know what to do with it. God help me. Sometimes we don't know what to do with people. Sometimes people make decisions and you scratching your head looking like, what in the world are you thinking about? But all sometimes you can do is just pray to God, the one that created them, because he can handle them a whole lot better than your fussing and cussing, than your worrying and staying up all night. No, I'm going to bed because I know who created you. I know who got everything under control and he can handle it better than I can. So repeat this after me. I trust in the God who created all things. All right, so go back to my first, what's my first point? What is my major point of this? Start with the power of God. Here's the second thing if you're going to deal with insecurity. You're going to have to find your position in God. Find your position in God. Okay? 
The text says in verse number one, Psalms 91, he that dwells in the secret place, okay, shall abide, right? It means um, there's a secret place that when I don't feel secure, I can run to to find safety. There's a pavilion, there is a covering that God has for me that I can go to when I don't feel very secure. See, when I was running into that bathroom, I wasn't going to the bathroom. I was going into the secret place. Because that's the place where I got what I needed in order for me to do what God has called me to do. When, when You ever seen uh, um, that, that, um, that, that uh, video of the mother who uh, was just so overwhelmed by her children that she hid herself in the pantry? And she was eating, I think, a Twizzler or something like that. Did y'all ever seen that? Okay, so she was so overwhelmed by her children. And, and, you know, come on, mothers, you know what I'm talking about. When they just, you know, you need a moment. You go in the bathroom. And, and what was so funny was um, she was in the, in the closet trying to hide from them because she just needed a break. She needed about five minutes. And while she in there, here come that child. Mama, mom, you in there? You in there? Ma. And she's sitting there with the camera just like, I just need five minutes. That's all I need to get myself together. Next thing you know, she takes the phone, and she puts it down on the ground, and you see him like this. Mama, are you in there? Mama. Watch this. She was trying to find that place where she can get herself back together again. And God is saying, I have created a place for you to run into so that you can get yourself back together again. When you're about to go crazy and when you're about to lose it, okay, come on, let's talk. When you're about to cuss somebody out, when you're about to go plumb crazy on somebody, you have a place that you can run to, that you can find that secret place that God will shelter you and make you secure. So what's the secret place? Matthew 6 and 6. Come on, let's read it together. Read. Uh, uh, when you what? Pray. What that line say? Then your father who sees what is done in secret, there's a secret place. Prayer is your secret place. So when you don't feel confident, you got to learn how to pray. When you don't feel secure, you got to pray. That is your secret place. When you feel insecure, where will you turn? Watch this, because when you feel insecure, where you turn determines, uh, uh, watch this, who you find safety in. So if I'm feeling insecure and I'm always running to my friends, that's where I think I find my security. But sometimes friends won't answer their phone. Or sometimes, don't this, this, this get you. They can call you about their problems. And the moment you open up your mouth about your problems, they got to go. And if you keep running to them for that security and that safety, that's why you feel uneasy. God is saying, I got a place you can run to. I'm always listening. God, help me. I never put you on hold. You never have to call me back five minutes later because I'm right there when you need me. The secret place is prayer. All right, number one, read it back to me. Come on, say that together. Say it. Number two. And here's number three. Prophesy your promise from God. When you feel insecure, you got to prophesy your promise from God. 
Go back to verse number two. It says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I will say of the Lord. I will say it. I, I will I will. As I'm saying it, I'm putting my trust and security in him. I will not put my security in money. Because money don't make you very secure. Money is a help, but it don't make you secure. Because you ever notice the more you make, it's still never enough? Money don't make you secure. That's why you can grind and grind and grind and grind all you want to, but it'll still never make you secure. Tell you another thing that don't make you secure. Relationships. Tell you another thing that don't make you secure. People. People change. They'll love you one minute and cut your throat the next minute. And if you put all your hope and trust and security in people, you will be let down. Tell you another thing that, that, don't make you, uh, that we try to put security in, but it don't make us very secure, our appearance. You are fighting a battle with gravity. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. <laughs> Everything is going out and down. You're going to lose. So if you put your security in that, you will always come up short. But I will say with my mouth, this is my confession. So what am I prophesying? Here are the promises of God. Uh, Psalms 91, verse number 3 through 13. Come on, read the first one. Watch this. The Lord told me to tell you, he will rescue you. When you find your place in that secret place, he will rescue you from the traps of your own thoughts. The fowler snare, the snare that is to get the bird that flies all over the place. He will rescue. Watch this. And the deadly pestilence. Watch this. This thing messed me up. So I looked this up. Deadly pestilence. I didn't understand that. The, in the original, you have to understand that we're dealing with an agricultural country, uh, uh, time. And so they looked at everything from that aspect. Well, when they grow stuff, what comes when you grow stuff? Bugs. Okay? Bugs. There would be outbreaks and plagues because of the bugs. What would happen? Pestilence. Disease would be a result of the bugs. So God is saying, when you find your secret place in me, then watch this. The disease, the pestilence of the effects of those thoughts you had will no longer be there. That beating yourself up all the time in your brain. He says, when you find yourself in the secret place, the effects of that will not affect you any longer. You're going to start to see yourself a whole lot different than how you see yourself right now. Can I say this? I need you to see yourself in the future and give God praise in advance for where you're getting ready to go. Come on. I don't need you to see yourself from where you are right now. Verse number four. Come on, read it. He says, I can find refuge under his wings. What does that mean? In his presence. Now, that last part, his faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. That word faithfulness is not really faithfulness. That's why you have a pastor that looks stuff up. That word faithfulness is translated incorrectly. The original word right there is actually, ready for this, trust. His trust will be your shield and rampart. It means, get this, that God is not shifty. He's not all over the place. It means he can be trusted. It means he is solid. And you ready for this? It means he won't collapse under our weight. You ever try to lean on some people and they let you fall? Ooh, call me if you need anything. And then you call them. 
and they collapse under your weight. They can't carry you. God is saying, if you lean on me, I can hold you up and prop you up. And no matter how heavy the weight is that you picked up along the way, I got you. So I'll be your shield and your rampart. Verse number five. Come on, read. Verse six. What is he saying? You will not feel the terror by night, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. You will, you are, you, in other words, you have no reason to fear, even though it's dark. He's saying, I got you even in darkness. That you, um, any like, anybody like me, when you was growing up, you had to have a nightlight? Oh, I ain't got no real honest people. Okay, I got it. Y'all sit up here and look at me like I'm crazy, like I'm the only one. I know y'all, y'all G's, y'all got it. Y'all weren't scared of no dark, but there's some of us that were scared of something called the boogeyman. <laughs> I mean, he was up under that bed. He was in that closet. We were scared. Anybody know what I'm talking about? About the, Okay. I'd like to know where the boogeyman came from and who told us about the doggone boogeyman because it traumatized some of our, our childhood. <laughs> and because of the boogeyman, they had to put a little nightlight on and have it on all night. And my responsibility was when you get up in the morning, you better turn it off. Don't be burning that thing all day. You can burn it at night, but don't burn it all day. Because I was so fearful of what could happen in the dark. And God is saying, watch this, sometimes your insecurity will push you in the dark that you can't see your way. He says, but even when you can't see your way, he's not saying I'm removing the darkness. What he's saying is while you're in the dark, you ain't got to fear. That's, see, that's what we got to understand about God. God is not always about getting us out. He's proven that he's God in, that he can leave you in the darkness, and you don't have to fear, and he'll keep you and cover you and protect you even while you're in the dark. Some of y'all need to go home and turn that light off tonight. Some of y'all still sleeping with nightlight. Bless him, Jesus. Watch this. Verse number 7. Come on, read. Verse number 7 through 13. Read. Verse number 11 again. Mm -hmm. So when you feel an insecure, he says, I'll command my angels concerning you to guard you. Watch this. To guard you in all your ways. To guard you in all your ways. So when you're about to get hooked up with somebody that's going to bring you to a place of insecurity, he says, I'll guard you to the place where you don't even hook up with them. I'll shut it down. I'll make sure they write down the, right, the wrong phone number. God, help me right there. I'll make sure that you can't have the conversation. I'll make sure that when they go to open their mouth, all of a sudden, the program starts. So they can't even say nothing to you. Because I'm going to make sure that I'm going to guard you in all your ways. Is there anybody in here to say, God, I thank you for guarding me. Because there's some things that was getting ready to suck my life out. That was getting ready to take me out. But you guarded me. You sent angels concerning me. I thank God for my angel that shut it down. I thank God for my angel that shut it down. Ooh, that's why when they came over to your house, they couldn't rest all night because the angel was aggravating them all night long. God help me. Y'all don't want no real talk right there. Mm, nothing but an angel. Said, mm -mm. I got a I got a call from God about this one. 
and I got to protect them at all costs. Verse number 12. Ain't nothing going to harm you, no matter how big or bad it is. Psalms 91, verse number 14 through 16. Read that last part. Let me, hold on. Let me, let me set this up right. So God is saying, when you hide yourself in me, that's the promises, but here's the result. Okay? This last part is the result. I gave you the promises of what's going to happen. But now let me tell you the results. Verse number 14. Read it again. Keep going. With long life, I will satisfy. God help me. Do you know insecurity comes to suck up the satisfaction, you sati being satisfied in your life? God is saying, when you hide yourself in me, I'll make sure that you enjoy every day of your life. God help me. That every day, it might be up, it might be down, but you're still all right because you know at the end of it, God's going to satisfy you. And is there anybody in here that say, when I call on God, he says he's going to answer me. He says he's going to see something about me. He's going to have angels commanded over me. He will protect me. He will rescue me. And there will be nothing that will come nigh to me because he will satisfy my life with long life. I'm going to live the rest of my life like it's the best of my life. And even when I don't feel very secure, I just run into his presence and he gives me what I need for me to come out and do what he called me to do regardless of what people say about me. That's how you find security in God. That's what God wants you to do. That's where God is leading you when it comes to your insecurities. I'll be honest with you. This was a hard preach because I'm still learning some of this. This ain't something I got under my belt. I still have to struggle with the insecurities of who I am and what God is doing. But I know when I rest in him, he gives me what I need for me to go after what he has for me. So here's the thing. Dream bigger. Go after more. Expect there's more on the other end of this. Because God is saying your insecurities can't shut down my promise over your life. You can't allow it to shut it down. You got to dream that I have more for you even after this. Amen? Everybody standing. Let's go. Listen, don't forget on Sunday, on Sunday, two services, 9 o'clock and 1130. God has been meeting us. Amen. On Sundays, Jesus, have mercy. For those who um, God met us at 9 o'clock service and then 11.30, I can't even describe what happened. Lord took me clean out. I mean clean out. I mean clean out. Some of y'all was laughing at me. I don't care. Now, the one thing I ain't secure, insecure about is when God does something, I don't care what nobody say. Um, God met us in this building at 11.30 and at 9 o'clock. I need for you to come hungry ready to receive the word. Um, closed mouths don't get fed. He says, I will fill those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. So we have to come in the position every time we come in here that, God, I need more of your word. Not, not more of the pastor, more of your word. 
not some self-help stuff. Give me more of your word. Because the word is what changes my life and makes me better. So we always have to be hungry, ready to receive what God has for us. Amen? Amen. Freedom, I love you. I love y'all, and I'm praying for you, and I thank God for what he's doing in your life. Grab the hand of your neighbor as you get ready to go. Make sure you give on your way out. Make sure you give on your way out. Father, we thank you. We honor you. We bless you, God. We thank you for your word on tonight. We thank you that even in the midst of our insecurities, you secure us, God. You make us who we are, and for that we tell you thank you, God. God, we pray right now that this word not die in this place, God, but let it take root in our spirit. Let it grow in us, God. God, even if we got to go back and listen to it, God, let us listen to it over and over again to feed our spirit so that we can overcome this insecurity on the inside of us. We will be who you called us to be. There's greatness ahead of us, God. There's greatness ahead of us, God. And we are not going to die with this greatness lying on the inside of us. We will die empty because we will go after everything you said you have for us. God, cover our families, cover our children, cover our homes now, God. Cover us as we go back and forth, God. Bring us back safely on Sunday to lift up and praise your name ever the more. And we give you the glory and give you the praise in advance for what you're getting ready to do in our lives. You are a great God. And we honor you and we bless you for the great things you have done for us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Before we say amen, I need you to give God the best praise you can right there. Come on. Come on, we got to receive the word with praise. Hallelujah. And we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. Hug three people before you go and tell them what? I love you for real. I love you for real.